0: Your congregation, belonging to Christ, today is the Lord's Day, and in our society it's also Mother's Day. Now it's very important that we keep it in that order. It's the Lord's Day, and it happens to be Mother's Day. You will be aware that for all too many people, today is just Mother's Day, and there's no thought about the Lord's Day. How precious when you may come to church here and celebrate the Lord's Day and also think about Mother's Day. And I see many children here, and I'm sure that you children, you you probably did something special for mom, and rightly so, because mom is special in the home. And how wonderful when we honor our mothers in the home. But how sad when our society focuses on Mother's Day and forgets the Lord's Day. You know what that means in the end? They don't know how to celebrate Mother's Day at all. And the whole concept of motherhood gets lost. We'll see that as we go through in our sermon this morning. The Bible teaches us about the high calling of motherhood. And what a blessing. Being a faithful and godly mother to your children is something of endless worth. And it's a calling to be most highly honored. The Bible makes clear. I was really struck by one of our churches saying the following in their bulletin in connection with Mother's Day. i like to read it. Today is what is commonly referred to as Mother's Day. We realize being a mother is not for the faint of heart. And we pray for the Lord's strengthening grace to encourage you to serve in faithfulness. We should always be thankful for the mothers in our lives. To all the moms of our congregations, thank you for all you do. We recognize that this day may also bring pain for some, whether that is the pain of infertility, the desire for marriage and having children, the loss of a child through death, the weariness of a new mom, the challenges of raising children, the pain of being estranged from a child, or even the loss of your mom. Then the note says, however, By God's grace, God's grace is sufficient to meet all the needs. Also in motherhood. You see, and that's what we learn when we keep the Lord's Day first. And then think about Mother's Day. And let's note this now together as we go to our scripture passage of 1 Kings 3. In this passage, Solomon, son of David, had just begun his rule in the land of Israel. And we are told how the Lord comes to Solomon in a dream. The Lord doesn't come to us in dreams today. Let me just say that. In the days before scripture was all finished, he came to people in visions and dreams, but not now. Be careful of those who say, I had a dream from God. But in Solomon's time, he had a dream from God. And God comes to Solomon in a dream and offers him what? He offers him whatever he would ask for. And you know what did Solomon ask for? He asked the Lord for a wise heart. And for a gift of wisdom to rule the people of Israel. To rule them well in accordance with God's word and will. For by nature we are fools. We have no wisdom. But wisdom comes from God. Well, we are told how the Lord was pleased with Solomon's request. And not only did he give Solomon much wisdom, but he also gave him riches and good health. And then in verses 16 to 28 of 1 Kings 3, we are given an actual example of Solomon's wisdom given to him by the Lord. And it is, it is an example which touches on the whole subject of motherhood from a biblical perspective. How can a true mother be known? What is she like? What is it about mothers that calls for true thanksgiving and praise to God for them? and real honor and respect towards them, yes, to our mothers. Well, the theme of this message is, as mentioned in the bulletin, learning from Solomon's discovery of a true mother. Notice with me just the following, looking at the story of our text, the description of a true mother, the source of real motherhood, the need for true motherhood, and the blessing of true motherhood. Well, you know the story. Solomon is highest leader of the land, and he's given the hard cases he's given the cases to judge the most difficult cases as king and one day there comes to him these two women and these women were not living good lives no we are told they were both harlots or prostitutes which means they sold their bodies for sex how loveless and sad and full of miserable consequences is this oldest of professions ever since the fall of man into sin. Today's still prostitution in every country and city is something one can usually find if you want to look for it. But God says, doesn't he, in his word that, that the sexual union is only always to be between a man and a woman and it's only to be reserved for within the marriage context, the marriage bond But adultery and prostitution are such clear examples, aren't they, of breaking God's commandments. The fact, though, that these two women can go to Solomon to solve their their court case or to, to bring before them their special need, here shows still God's care and mercy for them, doesn't it? For those who have departed so far from the way of the Lord. You know, no matter how far you've departed, the Lord says, come to me and I will hear you will forgive you, I will help you. Let sinners know there is deliverance, looking to God. What's the case with these two women coming to the king? Actually, verse 17 suggests it's just the one woman who's bringing the case and the other is trying to defend herself before the king. We are told these two women had been involved in, in the sex trade. I don't know if they were still continuing in it, but they each became pregnant. And they give birth, each one, within three days of each other. Not only that, they are living in the same home, we're told. What Was it some type of halfway house or a home for prostitutes? We don't know. We're not told. We are told that no one was with them in the time that they both had their babies. I thought, how sad. Another example, you know, the way of sin is so sad. It can look so glamorous, but here they had a baby each. There was nobody around. Nobody. The way of sin is sad. Don't fall for the lies of the devil that you gain through sin. No, you gain misery. That's what you gain in the way of sin. Well, what happened? What's the the story? We're told the one mother, sleeping with her baby, the one who gave birth second, somehow accidentally rolled on him during her sleep, and the child couldn't breathe and died what did the mother do then well we're told she took her dead son and snuck over to the other woman sleeping with her son in her bed and she quickly and quietly changed babies around placing her dead son in the arms of the sleeping woman and taking their live her live son with her into her own bed early in the morning when the woman whose baby had been taken away and exchanged for the dead baby when she went to feed him she noticed Right away, that he was dead and not alive. When it became lighter and she could check carefully, she saw that it wasn't her son at all. The woman whose son was still alive had given birth to her son three days earlier than the other woman. And so this woman could well know what her baby looked like. Don't mothers quickly take in the features of their child? They surely do. Oh, how I loved it when my wife was feeding the babies. You could see the tender love and the getting to know the child as they were nursing the child. This was not her child. But now this was the problem, you see. The woman who had switched the boys refused to admit that her son was the dead one and she maintained that the live boy was her son. And the other woman was lying. Hers was the dead boy. Well, can you just see these two women arguing before the king? One saying, the live one is mine, and the dead one is hers. And the other saying, no, it's the other way around, O king. You have to believe me, King Solomon. You know, in our times, of course, this problem could quickly be resolved, couldn't it? With a few medical tests done. We live in an age where even if a woman doesn't know who the father of her child is, Certain tests can be done to make unmistakably clear to whom the child belongs and who was involved in the conception of the child, but not in Solomon's days. And now, how was the king ever to determine who was the real mother of the live boy? Verse 22 and 23 suggest that this was a real puzzle indeed. Do you see what wisdom was needed rightly to solve this case? And we are told, aren't we, how God gave Solomon great wisdom, and he decides to do something to discover who the true mother was. It sounds so simple, but it was such a wise plan of the king. What did Solomon do, children? You know what he did, right? He called for a sword, and I imagine probably a soldier as well. Bring me a sword and a soldier. And he's, and then he does what? He suggests and even orders, as verse 25 states, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Now, we know the outcome. But just imagine the tension and the gasps with this decision. Oh. But here we learn, congregation, of the true mother. And what is a true mother? For what does verse 26 tell us? Then spake the woman whose, the woman whose the living child was unto the king, O oh my lord, or king, give her the living child, and in no wise, by no means slay it. But the other woman said, let it be neither mine nor yours. Go ahead, divide the baby. Now from this, Solomon and all of us, we, we can tell, even the young children, you can tell who was the true mother of the living child. The true mother, rather than having any harm come on her child, would sooner give him up even to this other woman rather than see the child cut in two with the king's sword. The unfeeling and the unsympathetic woman proved her colors too when when she cared not about the little boy at all, but only wanted to win her case or for sure not get shortchanged in this case. There is a phrase in verse 26, congregation, which I would like you to notice with me, and that we need to highlight, which is so descriptive of true mothers. We are told the woman whose son was the, uh, li, whose son was the live boy urged the king not to slay the boy, cutting him in half, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And the old King James, for her bowels, her deep ears yearned for her son you see that phrase in the text it's an expression meaning the woman's inners the real mother's inners deep down were, were warm and tender for her son literally even you could translate she grew hot with compassion for her son and rather than win her case at the expense of the child's life she would forgo her wants for the well being of her dear son Here you have a description, congregation, of a true mother. Her inners, her bowels, her compassions, her innermost yearns, in care and love for her child with warm and tender and deep, stirring emotion. You know, another case in the Bible, we have the same verb used as in our text, and it's the story of Joseph with his brothers, you know, Joseph was made second in command in, in Egypt after his brothers had sold him. And when they came the second time, the brothers for food in Egypt were told that that when Joseph saw them, including his blood brother Benjamin, with Jacob and Rachel, from which he also came, it says, then as he saw his brother, his his bowels, his inners yearned for his brother. That is, that is, his heart was so full of warm, compassionate feelings towards him that Joseph hardly could contain himself to reach out to him and embrace him right at that time. Well, in a similar way, you see, this mother felt for her life, son, and she begged the king that his life be preserved rather right than be slain. Her inners yearned for her son. She was filled with warm and hot compassion for her child. Isn't this the description of every true mother? Isn't that the reason, congregation, why a mother proves to be there time and time again and to give of herself over and over and over again? Yes, when the child is first born and in the toddler stage and the young child time and in the adolescent years, and the teenage years and, and the young adult years and beyond, a true mother has her children on her heart. And, and it shows, doesn't it, in her endless care and her constant activities and self-sacrifice for the children and the family that a mother all is involved in. Often without much appreciation, she just gives herself for her family. So Mother's Day, congregation... <laughs> Could be every day, really, and, and a, a, a loving, happy home. Mom is honored not just one day a year, but but all the year through, and year after year too. Listen to this poem I came across, entitled "The Valiant," the valiant by Mark Howe. Not for the star-crowned heroes, the men that conquer and slay, but a song for those that bore them. The mothers braver than they, with never a blare of trumpets, with never a surge of cheers, they march to unseen hazards, pale, patient volunteers. We have a little plaque in our bedroom, Mother, another word for love. Didn't you experience that in your home? Mother, another word for love. Well, this comes out in our text. And now let's go to our second point and see further how but with Solomon's discovery of a mother and the description of such, we are also being taught where, what is the source of a true mother? What's the source of a real mother as we just described? And here we come to the truth congregation that the world forgets too much in celebrating Mother's Day. It forgets it and ignores it. Any and every true mother is that because of God and his mercy and care for us. Motherhood is a gift of God and motherhood is to be to the glory of God. And our world forgets this. The source of motherhood is God. And wisdom discovers this. Wisdom discovers true motherhood not only, but it realizes its source too. It's taught us in the Bible. When God made Adam and Eve in the beginning, then the woman was given the name Eve because she was the mother of all living by God's design. Genesis 3 verse 20. The woman was given by God certain qualifications and features, almost also natural motherly instincts and cares for the children. We see it even in the animal world, don't we? Especially you farmers. I'm sure you see it somewhat. The tender care of mother animals for their offspring. But even more is this something God gives and works in women as human beings made in his image to be his image bearers as mothers of their children. The fruit of the womb is his reward. He's the giver of motherhood. Psalm 127, verse 3. And Psalm 113, verse 9, says about the Lord, He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. My point here is, beloved, when you have a wonderful mom and a loving, caring mother, how we should indeed see it as God's gift to us and for us. And how thankful we should be to Him for our mother. And you know what is so striking in the Bible? is that when the Lord wants to make himself known to us in his deep care and love and compassion towards sinners like us, you know what picture or example he uses to make it plain to us. He speaks of, he speaks of the deep care and love of a mother for her children as a picture and a small reflection just of his unending care and warm and deep and, and tender compassion for his people. Let me give you some examples. In Hosea 11 verse 8, when God is speaking to his people who were wavering and straying so often from him, the Lord then relates in heartfelt pain and care for them. Indeed, the same verb again is used as in 1 Kings 3. We read, he says, my heart is turned or churned within me. My repentings or deep sympathies are kindled together. What, what that means really is he, he's so moved with compassion for sinners like us. When Jesus was here on earth, we read, seeing the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. For he saw that they were weary and they were, they were lost and they were without a shepherd. And he was moved in his errors towards them. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 23? He says, about in compassion for the even unbelieving Jews. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent unto you. How often would I have gathered your children as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings? But you would not. See, God even compares himself to a mother hen. Unbelievable condescension to make himself known to us what kind of a God he is. Do you not feel the deep care and compassionate love found in him in these expressions, in these comparisons. In Isaiah 49, verse 15, God says to his doubting people who were thinking God had forgotten about them, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should not have compassion, on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget you. And you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Isaiah 66, verse 13, we read there, as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. And you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Do you hear in these words, congregation, how God is not only the source of true motherhood, but true motherhood is a dim reflection of his own tender care and compassion for people like us. The Bible says God is like a father who pities his children and as a mother who comforts her little ones. What a blessing when as parents, mom and dad, we may reflect something of who God is in all his tender care and keeping towards his own. How can God, though, be so warm and tender in his yearning over us, congregation? We who are sinners of ourselves, not deserving the least of his mercies, We who have turned against God, left to ourselves. Not just once, but many times even. How can God justly and truly be so caring towards sinners like us, you and me? Well, the answer is, you know, right? In and through his son, Jesus Christ. God is is merciful and full of loving kindness through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the amazing gospel message. And as long as I live, I hope I never get over it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to suffer and to die in payment for sin. The sins of us, sinners like us. And At the same time, he, he lived a life of perfect righteousness in the sinner's place. And now through this Savior and his once for all sacrifice, God indeed yearns in hot compassion for sinners like you and me, not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent and believe in him and follow after him, Jesus Christ, as only Savior and Lord. Well, do you know this gospel? And do you reflect this gospel? Yes, also as mom and dad in the home. How wrong, not only, but how sad too, when Mother's Day is celebrated with no thought of God. As the source of true motherhood. And doesn't that happen all too much in our times congregation? In our secular and godless world. When you remember mom in a special day, in a special way today, will you will you thank God especially for your mom? And being moms in the home, dear moms here, mothers here, do you look to God to enable you? and to strengthen you to be the mother and the grandmother that you're called to be? Do you see your motherhood as a gift, but also a calling to be lived out to the glory of God? And being mothers in the home, dear moms, do you look to God to give you the strength for your task, for your calling? And sometimes it's very tiring day in and day out. And many night times as well. You know, many of us have so much reason for endless thanksgiving to God, thinking of our mothers. Isn't that true, also here? Could it be, though, that some of you, maybe as young people or even as young children, you are presently grieving your mom and dad, a lot, maybe even, by by not listening to them, by not respecting them. By not obeying them, but just going your own way. Even when they teach you what is God's way and God's will for your life. You know, in Proverbs 30, verse 11, we read, there is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. You're not part of that generation, are you? It doesn't respect mom and dad in the home. The last verse we read in Proverbs, not the last verse, but verse 25 of Proverbs 23. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. Will you do that? Or will you grieve your mom and dad by living a disobedient and an ungodly life? If you have up till now not been obedient and you know that and you really should say sorry, well, won't you say sorry? Won't you turn from your sins and aim always to wish the very best for you, to to wish your mom the very best, thanking her for the way she cares for you, body and soul. Yes, also thinking of you in regards to not just this life, but the life to come. I had a mom who died now more than 30 years ago, but she cared for us body, and soul. I can't thank God enough for a godly, loving mom. I can't thank God enough that he allowed me to marry a woman who also wanted to be, for our children, a godly, loving mom. Are you thankful for your mom? Let me pass on this poem that someone wrote entitled, The Christian Mother. A Christian mother, she tells her child to have no fear. She comforts and is always near she seems to drive away all pain she teaches truth from lies refrain she's kind and good and knows what's best she does her household chores with zest she'll help you when you are in doubt she'll make a way you'll find out she brightens life when things seem rough she cheers you in the going stuff she teaches you there's one on high who will keep you if you just draw nigh she makes all sadness fly away she tells you how to live and pray May our lives be to this dear one a blessing rich for all she's done. This one to whom we give our love is mother sent from God above. Well, is this your response to your mom? I wonder, I ask. Learning from Solomon's discovery of true motherhood. So far we've thought about the description of a true mother and the source of true motherhood. Now let's think about the need, the need for true motherhood especially also in our times. In our text passage, we are told that this other woman, who obviously was not a very caring, loving woman, was she? But she was only out for herself. That's quite obvious in the text. And you know, alas, is there not reason to say too many women today have children but are not mothers to them? We live in a very self-centered age. I don't have to tell you that, I don't think. Where in many cases, having children is considered more a nuisance than a blessing. People would rather have pets than children. Having a career, people say, is much more, much more uh, fulfilling than being a mother. Being a mother is a spoiler of life. A spoiler of our freedoms and the good life. We live in a day when increasingly the streets are filled with children we should be home with mom and dad but they're not home with mom and dad because no care is given for them all too many children today are born congregation in 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 a setting that's very sad not not with two parents and not god-fearing parents children are often tossed from the one home to the other home, they're with mom for a while, who's with another man as dad. And then they go to dad, who's with another woman as mom. And it's all so confusing and disturbing to the little ones. But all too many mums and dads don't want to think of that or minimize that. And they just do their own thing. And the kids just better accept it. And they will adjust. And they will adjust. But at what cost? At what cost? Many of our social problems today and the welfare situations are linked to the breakdown of family life, marriage and family, and moms and dads not being faithful for life in their callings in the home. This is a tragic reality. There are too many mums like that, like that other cold, heartless woman in our text, that self-centered woman. Think here, too, of the problem and evil of abortion. Something that has really come up in the news again of late, where little babies are killed in the womb. Supposed to be the safest place for a child becomes a slaughterhouse for children. The womb, the mother's womb. Mostly for the convenience of the mother or on the insistence of the father. How cruel, congregation, and what murderous activity this is. And yet today, it's considered a matter of health care. And no one should take away a woman's right to her own body, right? But what about the child's rights? What about the child's rights? And what about respect for human life? It's God designed it and gives it. I heard this week on the news, people shouting in the States around the Supreme Court building and around the judges where they live. Abortion is our human right. Human right is abortion. If you think that through, if they would really think that through, they wouldn't even be able to stand there. They're promoting the demise of their own society and the wrath of God upon them. I, I read about a play that was performed in the in 1960s, so 60 years ago, entitled Raisin in the Sun. And it's, it tells also a story about a woman who gets in all kinds of trouble. She gets pregnant and she plans an abortion. And when this play was put out in 1960 and the woman comes to the part of the play where she she uh, announces to the audience this painful moment as a cry of despair from the woman who became tired of life and confused and troubled in her situation people pitied people pitied the crowd pitied the woman but then this play was played again 60 years later in, in another town and when she was telling her story and now she was gonna she was pregnant and she was have to get an abortion the crowd the crowd clapped their hands She was doing the right thing, they were saying. The only reasonable thing. Something that was even totally unacceptable 60 years earlier. Now it was something that was applauded. Having an abortion today is not seen as wrong anymore, but as an act of liberation. But it's so heartless. And the point is, congregation, our society is becoming so cold, so blind in sin. It's like truly what we read in Romans 1. God is giving us over to our sins. If we forget God and his ways and his will, then God says, okay, have it your way. And be a ruthless, cold-blooded, heartless people, even as mothers. That's what we see happening in our society. That's why it's so good, congregation, that this Mother's Day, we are here for this Lord's Day worship to get a biblical perspective on all these matters. You know, congregation, there's a great need today for true mothers, faithful, self-denying, ever-loving, godly mothers. Yes, for the children's sake, for society's sake, for the church's sake, for God's sake, and also for the parents' sake. And how wonderful, while the world is falling apart, we in our churches, holding to the Bible... May demonstrate marriage and family life as God intended it. What a witness that is. I had a premarital counseling session last week. And I said to the couple, if you be a faithful husband and wife, and God gives your children a faithful mother and father, you are being so much of a witness in our world. May we be witnesses in this way in our day. Yes, because let's move to our last point, the blessing of true motherhood. The blessing of true motherhood. And I don't have to expand much here, I don't think, for who doesn't know and realize what a great impact and tremendous influence for good a caring, careful mother is and may be for us. A faithful, loving, giving mother in the family is a priceless blessing, which can result in so much good, not just for the immediate family, but for other families as well. And not just with fruit in one generation, but for generations to come. Truly, hardly is there a person of greater influence and usefulness than a mother in the home, just doing her thing every day in the family and for the family. The Proverbs 31 woman, the Bible says, is a woman of great honor, praised by the Lord. I read about Winston Churchill, one of the great world leaders of the 20th century, when a London editor submitted to him his approval of a list of those who had been his teachers and his influencers. Churchill returned the list with this comment, you have omitted to mention the greatest of my teachers, my mother. The Bible stresses, beloved, the high calling of motherhood is one of the greatest callings there ever could be. And you know what? We know Jesus, he so honored his mother on the cross, didn't he? When he was suffering so, she couldn't really comfort him, but he comforted her. Simeon had told her, as mother of Jesus, a sword would pierce her own soul. And when Jesus was on the cross, he went out of his way to come alongside of his mother Comfort her, to take care of her. That's who God is for his people. It's right and good, congregation, to respect, to honor your mother, and to be thankful to God for her. A true mother does so much, way more than children and teenagers, and uh, husbands often too, and fathers, than we realize. Than we realize. A mother is someone, said someone, who can take the place of many others, but whose place no one else can take. A mother is someone who could take the place of many others, but whose place no one else can take. I I, I think that's a lot lot of truth to that statement. So husbands, you are called to honor your spouse as mother in the home, to be an example to the children in this regard. Let your children know you think so much of your wife as mom in the home, and you honor her for all that she does in the family. Children who see dad be respectful and thankful towards mom learn to show the same respect and gratitude towards mom. When I was raised, my dad at supper times would stand up and he'd go over to mom to kiss her. And we sometimes go, but deep down, we liked it. Because he was honoring mom for all she was doing in the home. Well, do you do that in the home? dads? Husbands, do you honor your wife, your spouse? We read in Proverbs, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Let that be true in our family's life too. Do you especially lead in thanking the Lord for mom? And humbly confessing God's undeserved mercies in all that wife and mom may be in and for the family While learning from Solomon's true discovery of a mother, that has been our theme, and we've thought about the description of the true mother, the source of true motherhood, the need for true motherhood, and the blessing of true motherhood. Solomon was given great wisdom, congregation, to see all these points, and in the book of Proverbs, written mostly by him, many of these points are brought forward in all kinds of Proverbs. What is so very humbling to realize is that this man of God who was given so much God-given wisdom, he didn't always act that wisely, did he? And in fact, as a family man, Solomon acted often most sinfully and foolishly. And how this brings out, doesn't it, our great need not only to hear of wisdom's ways, but to have them worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and by God's grace to walk in wisdom's ways each day anew. We need Jesus in our hearts and lives to know and to be blessed with the gift of true motherhood and being under motherhood. Well, do you realize these things too? And pray God to guide you in his ways. May God bless and prosper this sermon also to that end, that we may learn from Solomon's discovery of true motherhood, and that it may be true of us in the generations that what we read in the Proverbs, let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you, rejoice. Will you do that? Not in your own strength, but looking to the God of wisdom to walk in his ways, in family life. Blessed Lord's Day, happy Mother's Day, in that light. Amen.